0: This is Rainmaker FM, the digital marketing podcast network. It's built on the Rainmaker platform, which empowers you to build your own digital marketing and sales platform. Start your free 14-day trial at rainmakerplatform.com.
1: I'm recording as well.
2: All right, Jared's got it, because I can't get out from under this towel. That's staying in.
1: I'm multitasking under a blanket and recording. I'm in a closet.
2: I'm in under a towel held up by a robot piece of bound material art.
1: There is no glamour in podcasting.
0: Wait a minute. I thought this was a phone call. We're recording this? I've been recording. You're recording? I I retired two episodes ago, and now you drag me back in. Nice work. This is ridiculous. I knew you couldn't stay away. Oh, I'm staying away. I'm here for, uh, let's see, 20 minutes, and then I'm
2: retiring again. Which means 45. <laughs> yeah, right. If it I know never, anything about ever you, ever accurately predicted the length of a podcast. Right, right. <laughs> uh, Jared's here with us too, right? I am. I'm here. All right. So this is my. This is what I've resorted to. Only what one week into my revolving co-host thing we make Robert come back and then drag poor Jared in as well yeah nice nice work there well whatever it takes you know I mean you leave me on my own I I really can't uh, be choosy all right Brian if you could have any business
0: slash revenue model going in the world what would it be the one I have and? Oh, would you like me to leverage? <laughs>
2: Maybe <laughs> since since this is a podcast that might be, uh, yeah. Please, I do. would say, sitting here in 2015, that a recurring business model selling some form of digital product or service is the holy grail. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not the only one who feels that way. I've I spent the last six weeks talking to various people with large amounts of capital who don't even want to hear about something. That's not a recurring subscription model, which is odd because that's not... I mean, think about the history of business, you know. Someone has something, you've got some money, you give them the money, they give you the thing. All of a sudden, that is... Completely unacceptable, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) even though that's still the vast majority of business as it's transacted today. But that's what people are obsessed with because recurring revenue is so much more stable. It's predictable. You can extrapolate into the future. Uh, You're not hunting and gathering constantly each month just to try to meet or exceed where you were at. But... You know, think about it. This, this wasn't a thing. Now we all pay for Netflix recurring and, you know, maybe you, you're a member of Dollar Shave Club and you get your razors that way because you're too lazy to go to the store. I I don't, you know. Yeah. What, do you, what do you think about this? Because when I was a kid, other than, you know, utilities, those were the big recurring things. Like if you didn't pay your water bill every month, you didn't have water. And then I think the biggest shakeup in my childhood years in this regard was cable TV. Not only did you go from paying for something that was free, but you paid for it every month or you didn't get your MTV. Yeah, Jared, I know you're only
0: 19 years old, so we, we were talking <laughs> earlier today about uh, Brian brought up the Columbia House CD uh, subscription business. Remember, Yeah, you, Jared, you,
2: do you remember that you know, when you I, were four?
1: I do actually, re- yes, I do remember that. I
2: yeah, do. yeah, like that was the irresistible offer, right? It really like, was. That big fat catalog. It was like CDs 10 CDs, CDs for 10 a 10 CDs for a penny. And this was pre-internet, so you had to tape a penny to a cardboard yeah. thing. Yeah. Find a stamp, drop it in the mail, and you were never more excited than that because you were just cleaning up on Columbia House. Of course. Yeah. That's not how it turned out. Right. Because, you, you were too young to read the fine print and well, the 25-page. no, 25 I knew page. the deal. What I was not old enough to have a feel for was my own lack of follow-through. Hmm. So you, you were committed to buy X amount of CDs oh, right. in the future, and I'm a music junkie, so, hey, no problem. But then they send you that card in the mail every month, and you had to open it up and look at it, and see that it was Debbie Gibson and Mm -hmm. say, no, hell no, (laughs) find a stamp and send it back. It's all right. You can, you got the Debbie Gibson. It's fine. And that's later, you know, if you dig through my CD collection, you're like, what's with the ABBA and Debbie Gibson? (laughs) And I'm like, well, I didn't return the card. Okay. Mm -hmm. And and, you know, contractually, if you didn't return the card and it showed up, you had to pay for it. Now I'm sure there were people just like there are now who would send it back anyway. But that's even more work than sending back a postcard. But that wasn't a recurring, that wasn't recurring revenue necessarily. It was a recurring obligation, right? But even then, you know, the whole idea of that, we we kind of thought of it as somewhat kind of shady. Uh, yeah. It just wasn't the norm. And now that's the first thing you talk to, whether it be a fellow entrepreneur or a VC or a private equity person, they're like recurring revenue. No, uh, I don't want to talk to you. Hmm. Like as if there aren't other valid business models. But I do have to say, it is one half of the holy grail of business models.
0: Yeah. So back then, uh, yeah, Columbia House. You've also got newspaper subscriptions. You got magazine subscriptions, like you said, cable. But it was not a prevalent model. But then we move into kind of the early days of the Internet where it's easier and easier to distribute, you know, digital goods, namely like ebooks.
2: Yeah. Yeah. OK. So that's the second half, digital. But before we, we leave the recurring thing, it really was the Internet that exploded the concept because all of a sudden – I guess the precursor of, of what we now call the sharing economy was kind of predicted. I read this great book called the age of access. I totally called all of this, you know, the end of ownership uh, and the rise of the age of access, which you would pay for uh, one-off or on a subscription basis. Uh, and now we have Uber and we've got bike sharing and, you know, all of these things, the, uh, the kids are into these days. I still like to own my car,
1: you know, it's a pretty natural shift because you think back to the Columbia house. I mean, we had to have a lot more patience back then. Like we were willing to wait in the mail and you're sending back postcards (laughs) and with the internet, you know, it's like our expectations have shifted. So we want access and we want convenience, which is why we're willing, I think even as consumers to pay on this more recurring model. Cause it's like, I want stuff when I want it and I want exactly what I want. So, you know, the trade-off is, you know, instead of paying one off, you got to pay on a recurring basis so it's there when you need it because you can't predict when you're going to want it.
2: Oh, yeah. But, you know, think of Columbia House. It was such a fantastic deal that I got 10 free CDs so I could buy bad CDs on accident. Now, for 10 bucks a month, I get pretty much every song in the world on Spotify. Yeah. And yet it's still hard for someone my age to, you know, the first time I think of Hey, you know, I used to have that CD or LP or eight track. Robert, how's that extensive eight track collection of yours going? Yeah, it's somewhere in a box in some storage unit. But yeah, I still have that. I shifted, obviously, to iTunes early on, but my first impulse still, and I've done this many times, is I'll say, man, I haven't heard that Ramones album in forever. I'm going to go, and I go buy it. And then I'm like, that's on Spotify. Oh my God. It's it's hard to shift, but you know the millennials in our company are like, what are you doing? You know. So both of you are still buying files for music. I, I'm I'm no. weaning myself of it. It's just tricky because that's your impulse that you've always. And I buy a lot of music. I buy a lot of books. I can't train my brain to. And it's not like I'm not paying for Spotify. I am. I just forget. Yeah, mm-hmm. Jared, you yeah. are you buying files?
1: No, I stopped a couple of years ago. And it just became all on demand. In fact, you know, I mean, I, I had a really extensive collection of songs on iTunes. And I was recently cleaning up my computer because I had memory issues. And that was one of the first places I went to save room, as I just said. Well, oh. I mean, I paid for these, but I don't really need them because I don't come in here and listen. Music? I could not. Yeah. Say. Well, I well, I just I know, buy
2: another I, I, hard drive. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That was another option that I might have considered, yeah. but I figured well, I'm never I, in there listening, though. So, did so. you
0: miss anything? For, did you well? Did you find everything on Spotify then?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. For, I mean, for the most part, I've never. Yeah, there's only a few like ACDC. Yeah, I, I even I think they gave in. There's a few holdouts, and they're all kind of coming in. But yeah, but the internet is 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 made for recurring. I can remember. When I started my real estate businesses, I was paying recurring for my email service. You know, that, yeah, that right. Email is software as a service. Those were the earliest models of that, you know, at, at least at our level. Yeah. I remember I had to pay a monthly subscription to get IDX, which is how you display MLS listings on a website. So my business was built around, you know, like businesses today are built around APIs. Uh, mine was built around these recurring subscriptions that were really, you know, even if it was 100 bucks a month, it was nothing compared to the revenue that you could generate from those tools. But it's really kind of extrapolated from there. But anyway, long and short, before we shift over to the second part, if you can devise a recurring revenue model, whether it be a membership site of some sort, uh, whether it be some other kind of innovative subscription. I mean, all these things now that you can buy in a box, what is up with that? Mm-hmm. Like you you, you, you can't Barth dress box. yourself because you're a man. So here's an outfit in a box. Huh. And they send you a new one every month. But that's it. Yeah. You take, take the, the never thinking this, out
0: of the equation, right? Same thing with razors, so. right?
2: It is convenient, yeah. Yeah. Who
0: wants to go to the store and buy razors? Well, I mean, you know, whatever. It's not that big a deal. But uh, and they here have you wine go.
2: clubs where you subscribe and. Yeah, coffee.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, now Amazon had developed, I don't know if it's even still going. What, a few weeks ago, they announced
2: that push button thing? A the literal, they're giving yeah. you a button. Uh, I've to... made three purchases um, in the last week where that was an option. And they are things uh, that you know, you run out of, whether it be, you know, I don't right. know, facial cleanser or shaving cream or whatever. And there was that every three months, you get to choose the recurring interval. And I just didn't do it because that that's just another thing I'm going to have to adopt to. But I guess it makes sense, you know, yeah. if you can, it's kind of like if you could, I even bought oil changes on subscription basically. You yes. know, like you buy a certain amount of oil changes at a bulk rate and then, does that count? Yeah. All right. So, but we're talking about a bunch, even from Columbia House to, you know, ham in a box. We're talking <laughs> about physical stuff. And that's <laughs> that's kind of a hassle. Because, again, if I wouldn't return a Debbie Gibson CD, then I'm not yeah. the type who wants to pack boxes. And, you know, of course, they have fulfillment services and whatnot. But I have to say that the fact that we also deal in end-to-end digital products and services, you know, that that to me is, is the second part of the ultimate business. So
0: what does that look like then? Uh, what types of things are we talking, you know, we talked about ham in a box and all that. What types <laughs> of things are we looking at on the digital side?
2: Well, you know, and there's obvious e- there, but... ebooks, you know, online courses, right. software. software as a service, downloadable software, like you know, the Genesis framework and plus the themes that work with it, even our hosting division is an end-to-end virtual transaction. I mean, nothing shows up at your house. No one comes by. There's no physical aspect of it because it's a web service. But yeah, those are the big ones. You know, it's in, it's anything that can be digitized and or fulfilled online. And, I, you know, reflecting back on all of our various lines of business, they're all, Digital, You know, so there's there's two things that have happened uh, that I think a lot of younger people may not really appreciate because they just live this way. They're digital natives, you know, And, and we were talking about this earlier that all of us on this podcast are digital natives, even though we're of another generation, but because we were weirdos. Right. I mean when in the late nineties, early two thousands when I'm online all the time, do you think my friends thought I was cool? No, they thought I was a crazy person. But I'm laughing at them now. Here's what's changed. We I've been talking over the last few episodes about how online education has gone from this thing that was an outlier and not really trusted and greeted with skepticism, and now it's a fifteen trillion dollar a year in trillion. Oh, that, that's not much of a jump from billion. You know, when, when you're at that level, <laughs> hyperbole, another zero, you know, um, sorry. But still, 15 billion is quite impressive. Um, it's, it's a mainstream thing. Uh, I think we've hammered that point home. But so are ebooks. I mean, back in the day, an ebook. Was a shoddy PDF that some internet marketer tried to scam you with, right? Now that that's a generalization, but that was the perception. Now, eBooks are a huge publishing industry sector that's growing much faster than the traditional book industry. Uh, we've got dedicated file formats. Uh, the Kindle store on Amazon is just killing it. You've got entire, you know, legions of authorpreneurs. You know, so again, that that's a legitimate thing that used to be Ill, illegitimate, kind of like online courses. Uh, there's been downloadable software forever, but it was a highly geeky thing about 10 years ago. You know, it was only the devs and the coders and the hardcore internet people that would dare whip out a credit card and download a piece of software that didn't come on a shiny little disk, <laughs> right? Yeah. Or a floppy disk before that. And that's another thing. What about the attitudes about using credit cards online? I don't think my parents will still do it. They're in their 70s. And yet we were talking to our resident millennial, Caroline Early, earlier, our associate producer. Hi, Caroline. And, hey, Caroline. You know, they, they never think about it. I mean, they are the true digital natives in that they don't remember pre-internet. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you guys have any reservation whatsoever about using a credit card online?
1: Mm, slightly, but not really. I mean, I think kind of like we were talking about earlier. It sometimes on one of the non big, like on Apple, Amazon, the big sites, no, none at all. You know, but then if it's on an individual site, it really just depends on how they've kind of built the trust within the design and how much time I've spent with them. And if it's my first time there, it looks the design looks a little shaky. I might feel a little shaky about it, but for the most part,
0: no. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm the same. And Brian, you brought up a good point. If I, if I find something I want, what I'll do is usually go try to find it on Amazon or iTunes or yeah, whatever. No,
2: absolutely. And this is why another rule to take away here is if you are selling a commodity product that can be found elsewhere. So let me give you an example. And I almost feel bad about this because There's this doctor, he's an MD, he's a content marketer. He gives fantastic, non-scammy advice, solid stuff. I was doing research on a certain supplement. And, you know, uh, there was a link to buy the the product that I wanted to his online store. Now, uh, I should be showing appreciation to him for educating me, especially given the business I'm in, but it was you know, a supplement that can be found anywhere, and it was on Amazon. And this is the truth because I can hit one click, and my credit card's already there, and my shipping and billing information's already there. I'm just lazy, and that's yeah. terrible, but mm. I am. So, we never sell anything that can be bought exactly the same elsewhere. Unique products and services, Amazon can't take that away from you.
1: And as to quote Chris Garrett, whoever gets the credit card stored wins.
2: That's true. That's absolutely true. And I think we'll see, even on our end, on on the Rainmaker platform, everything from social logins to payment options, you have to work to streamline that on behalf of you guys, our customers, so that as long as you're satisfying the other criteria of selling unique, unique products and services, that... The barrier to transaction is as low as possible. One mm-hmm. thing—it's uh, a side note, and it's a,
0: probably a whole other episode. But in the future, too, as we move towards things like Apple Pay, where it's—you uh, know—as far as we know, secure place where your car—I have not uh, jumped into this, by the way. Because I kind use of it a at Whole Foods all the time. I love it. It's yeah. It's, so you're it's you're weird, but it's you right. know, It's cool when you get to do it. Your payment. Essentially, at least on the in the perception of it, is in one place, right? Yes, you're being charged by Whole Foods, you're being charged by uh, Starbucks, or whatever wherever you go. But the actual vehicle for the payment is in just one place, much like you know swiping a card. It doesn't take that out of it. But if if for instance your doctor uh, that you were getting this information from was somehow, let's just say in the future, he'd he'd uh, wrapped his product or payment system in with Apple Pay.
2: You might yeah. not have cared. You probably oh, no, would have just done it right there. I, I mean, I, it wasn't that I didn't trust him at all. Yeah, and right. It wasn't that I didn't want to buy from him because, of course, I would. It's just that friction, you know, and I think you're right. Obviously, Apple Pay at this point is a point-of-sale physical world type thing. Right. But the digital solution uh, for that should be certainly doable. You yeah. know, I mean, you know, with physical goods at Amazon, I still have to enter, uh, I, I would imagine the payment technology would remove the billing address issue cause it would be encoded somehow in, in whatever it is. Right. On, in that uh, one So then place. it would come down to just, am I too lazy to enter my actual shipping address? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, but I mean, it's rough out there. I, I'm going back to the rule, which is don't sell. I mean, that, that's the whole thing with, uh, you know, advertising, AdWords, whatever. When you're selling something that someone else is selling, it becomes a bidding war on two bad ends. Bid prices go up to AdWords, Google's happy, and prices go down. And that's, I never want to be in that position. So I guess the whole point of all this is that through the progression of time, things that were outliers like uh, subscription business models and digital products and services, which were regarded as a little less trustworthy, are now actually the most desirable and, and that's what people want. So yeah, it's interesting you know, that both sides want it, you know, the bankers, as you mentioned. Oh, well, yeah. Well, that's also, good business. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if, if you know, if, if what people want is a subscription service that makes their lives easier and that gives you that amazing stability of income where, you know, your recurring revenue comes in every month, uh, you get new customers. Some people leave, obviously, but you're never just absolute desolate the next month so that on one hand and then of course we want instant gratification as we move more and more to a digital world i mean people are buying video game swords and gold and you know i mean there are people getting rich selling you know digital goods inside apps and video games and then what about bitcoin that's a whole nother can of worms that's going to be something we all deal with can you poke any holes in my holy grail of business models? Well, I'm just looking forward to Bitcoin because that's when I can truly disappear. Yeah. <laughs> you keep talking about this, and yet here you are. I know. Mm-hmm. I know. Well, I need a couple years. Well, you could be calling in from the Philippines. We don't you know. You don't know. You that's don't. true. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you for filling the narrow seat of my revolving co-host, uh, Mr. Bruce. It's good to hear your voice again. Uh, I will trick you into coming on the show again, despite your protestations. Thank you. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Jared, you're the man. Thank even you. Though you're only, even though you're 19.
1: <laughs> and even though it took two of us to not even equal one, Sonia.
2: Oh, seriously. She's smooth. She's shame. <laughs>
1: she really is smooth, isn't she?
2: She is. Yeah, that's why she always gets her way. Have you noticed? <laughs> All right. All right, that's it for this week, people. Uh, Thank you, as always, for tuning in. If you're digging what we're doing here at New Rainmaker, a review or rating or both over at iTunes is much appreciated. Uh, Otherwise, we'll be back next week. We're going to talk more and more about subscription business models. We're going to talk more and more about digital goods and services. We've talked about it before. Remember, Robert, we did a couple episodes on the whole digital commerce thing yep. um, but it's just it's just kind of amazing to me to reflect back on how things used to be and I'm not trying to be nostalgic I'm just I think this is an indication of why you know getting in on something maybe before it's a little too soon you know or, or it is a little too soon and yet you have a feeling you know You can see that's the direction things are going, you know, keep the faith, stick with it, build your audience, do good things, develop trust, and it just could turn out to be a hugely winning situation for you. We'll talk next week. Take care, everyone.
0: So if uh, any of you still listening here, this is Robert Bruce. I'm sneaking back on uh, two new shows on the Rainmaker FM podcast network. Check out missinglink.fm. That's Sean Jackson, our CFO. Uh, Brian, do you have any comments on uh, on Missing Link? I, I don't know if you'd gotten a chance to hear the first episode yet.
2: Yeah, I did. And I called Sean today, earlier, no lie. And I said, Sean, you've got quite the attitude on that show <laughs> And, you know, I think he's expecting me to uh, tell him to tone it down. I'm like, you know, no, it's okay. I like it because now the rest of the world knows what an asshole you are too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's missing link.fm,
0: everybody. The other one we mentioned earlier, Jim Kukrul is uh, doing authorpreneur.fm. If you have a book, books or want to write a book in the future. This is not about making r- direct revenue with your book, Those are some of that in there. It's more about what the book can do for your business uh, as PR, marketing, and such. So The ultimate business card, right? The ultimate business card, as he puts it. So Which I refuse to write. Yeah, it's still, after all these years, nothing. Man, well, at this point, what am I going to do, backtrack? Yeah, that is a good point. Jared, one last note from Jared. You, you got uh, what from Sean on uh, Missing Link?
1: Oh, a text message.
2: Yeah,
0: Sean's, Sean's shaking
2: stuff up over there. He is. he is. He explained how this works, and it's pretty cool. I am it not is. a big texter myself, and uh, but it's you know if we're talking about a mobile world, what's more urgent to you, an email or a text? I don't know. You know, I, I do know that's because I don't text a huge amount. That I'll notice and look at a text immediately. Because it's probably my wife with shopping instructions. Yeah, right, right. Uh,
0: did you but, did you feel uh, that way with Sean's uh, text coming up there? Yeah,
1: I mean, I mean, I checked it immediately. I mean, I, you know, and I obviously we were doing this, so I couldn't go listen to the episode right away. But yeah, there's an urgency to it because I'm the same yeah, way.
2: It's interesting. We uh, we are as always experimenting on ourselves first, figuring things out. I'm not advocating that anyone leave email anytime soon. It's still the uh, transaction engine, it is where we expect uh, for business to be conducted. Uh, this is is not a, a transactional text. It's a, you know, send a uh, text to a certain number in order to receive a link to a private group that is made up of only right. linked, uh, missing link, you know, listeners. So, yeah, i got to give it to Sean, and I'm just joking about him. He, he's, a, he's a wonderful guy. He's, just, he's got some tood working, and I think he's having way more fun than he should Dude, be. Dude, he's a classic show. AM radio host. Rush radio. Limbaugh. He is well, Rush he is. Limbaugh. It,
0: that's what it's going to break out to, and it's perfect. All right, uh, sorry for hijacking things here. That's, uh, you can find all of our shows, of course, at rainmaker.fm, and uh, I'm going to shut up now.